Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody. Woke Bros is back with myself, Michael Jamal Brooks, my compadre, co-pilot, and best of friends, Big Waz, Wozni Lombre. Waz, how you doing? I'm doing very well, my brother. I'm happy to be on with you as always. Uh, it's pretty hot in the valley, but we're managing. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's nice in New York, but you can feel that fall creeping. And that's exactly <laughs> what I want to join you out in L.A., my friends. The genius producer, Rob Lopez, managing, steering the ship at the ones and twos. As always, we've got a lot to hit. But let's just start real quickly by just saying, of course, um, join the athletic. That's how everything happens. That's on the Count the Dings Network. Subscribe to this feed. Leave us a review. Get to TMBS, patreon.com slash TMBS to join the Michael Brooks Show Patreon or become a subscriber. Check out the show first, Michael Brooks Show on YouTube. And there's tickets available for Michael Brooks Show patrons for our Philadelphia live show, November 23rd. All right, let's get to it. We've got three stories to get to. We're starting global. Then we're getting uh, to the with the climate change forum that the Democrats had on CNN last night. Then we're talking about the unfolding saga and not goodness of Jay-Z and the NFL, or as I present it, Nas 1. 
And then in the <laughs> final section of the of the show, uh, well, Waz always likes an opportunity to take shots at Nicki Minaj. And seeing as we are official Cardi B stands, that's on brand for us. Let's start, though, with the fate of the planet itself. And in fact, the fate of this uh family that Nicki Minaj is trying to get off to the ground. And that's with the climate change forum that happened last night on CNN. Uh, just a couple things to hit on this was, I mean, what I did not like, this seems like a small thing, but Kamala Harris, her big takeaway, she had a couple of good things to say, but she also came out for this silly uh, straw ban, plastic straw ban. And I just want to say real quick, like I have no problem with people taking individual steps to lighten their carbon footprint, whether that be, you know, buying organic locally sourced food or eating less meat or no meat or whatever, or, or, um, you know, actually a great advantage of living in a place like New York city is not relying on a car. That's obviously huge for one's, you know, carbon emissions, uh, you know, all of these different steps supporting community supported agriculture. I'm into it. I take some of these steps myself, but the bottom line is, is that this is not about your individual consumer choices, period. This is about the economy and how it works. Don't worry about your carbon emissions. Worry about Exxon's carbon emissions. And so that's number one. And then number two, when Kamala Harris does this, you know, embraces this symbolic small bore policy that won't even really do anything about plastic pollution specifically, which is a huge crisis. She also plays right into the hands of all of the corporations and all of the capital interests and Republican politicians and many Democratic politicians that want us to talk about this climate thing as an individual behavior thing and not an economic and industrial system thing. So let's just start with that, Waz. Am I being unfair? What do you think? No, absolutely not. Uh, because I live in California and you deal with this, You in California, you deal with this question more than I feel like most of the other places I've ever been to in America. I've never hung out in Portland or Seattle, which I know they kind of invented the tree hugger movement up there. <laughs> but in L.A. specifically, like, Nine out of ten places you go, there are they don't serve straws, right? Or if they do, you have to ask for it specifically. Um, you always run into these little small things that you can do, right? Uh, and and that's fine. Um, I think I'm annoyed by the people who get overly annoyed by the lack of a plastic straw, and I might be a little bit more annoyed by the people who think they're like Captain Planet because they don't use straws and they eat vegan, like. We get it. It's cool. Like we get it. You're you're trying to do your part, and that's nice. But please be relaxing. Like as you mentioned, like you can't compare. Let's just say the whole state of California stopped eating meat, right? Tomorrow, you can't compare that to the, you know, the damage to the planet that you just mentioned that Exxon Mobil is making. Like it doesn't compare like to scale. Like it's it's great. It's cool. Like you know, in an ideal world, we'd be doing as much as we could collectively. As well, you know, as people and and as well as um, corporations and all of that. So, you know, Kamala Harris is just being a troll, in my opinion, and being a, being a clown to even talk about the straw stuff um, is silly to me. Uh, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm more interested in the big picture stuff because Kamala Harris is kind of she's dead in the water to me. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, pe- some people say it's still early. I think the the three main front runners have kind of established themselves both with the money 
um, as well as name recognition, as well as just what they're doing in the polls. Um, and obviously that's Biden, Harris, um, excuse me, that's Biden, Warren and uh, Bernie Sanders. Uh, man, Joe Biden continues to get on my nerves. <laughs> like it, his, it, it's, it's, it's just so, it, if he wasn't so bad at running a campaign, it'd be one thing. But it's like, dude, you're doing this tired all we got to do is get rid of Trump, right? Like, there's no ideas base. All we got to do is go back to what me and Barry were trying to do. All we got to do is undo Trump. And everything was perfect when me and Barry, when Barry was running. It's like, actually, man, we still had a lot of problems to solve. And you give voice to none of those issues. And he's, he's just annoying. Like, his campaign just seems so cynical and just, just craving to me at this point, right? Like, the idea that, like... All the country needs is to rid itself of Donald Trump. Like it just ignores reality and any fact based intellectual honesty. Um, what I think was was interesting about Warren and her bit, uh, she's got this this sort of market based idea of solving the problem. Right. Which obviously you and I are going to think is crap. But I don't think it's the end of the world, right? I think in an ideal deal world in a sane country, um, Elizabeth Warren's stance would represent the the right wing of American right. politics, right? Right? Like th- this other stance that the Republicans take, where we don't need any regulation or any oversight of these people at all because they just naturally want to do the right thing like that. We wouldn't even entertain something that stupid, asinine and evil Um, in a perfect world. We wouldn't even have that, that side of the ledger would just be warrant arguing for the market-based solution to solving the climate crisis and Bernie talking about what obviously this show sympathizes with. And you and I would like to see straight up socialization of the energy industries. Um, an energy period because it's a, you know, it's a utility. People need this. You shouldn't have a profit-based model on shit like water, on shit like gasoline and, um, you know, whatever we use to power and heat our homes. Like, that should not be a profit-based business because these are things that people cannot go without. So, you know, obviously the takeaway from last night's climate, climate forum is that Bernie is, he's got the most... You know, we're calling it radical, which I find to be kind of funny because the problems that face us aren't like tepid or marginal or small. Right. Like the idea that you could have a steady, just a slow and steady approach to this encroaching fucking catastrophe is laughable to me. But, you know, in the in the prism of this particular Democratic primary, he's got the most radical solution. And that's his, you know, his new Green Deal, which, you know, and Mike, and you can speak to this a little bit more because I've been fucking rambling for for a little no, while no, now. No, I think, no, man, obviously you're 100% on point. I agree with everything you're saying. And and sometimes I promise we will find more things to, to occasionally argue about because I know people like that. Oh, they love it. We can't artificially <laughs> make that happen. It's just, you know, look, if you... I don't know. It's just two it's two men that see the light. What can I say? But I think but I think, you know, honestly, like, first of all, I agree with you completely with Joe Biden. Joe Biden's campaign is. I mean, you know, it's gutless is it's gutless. It's, but honestly, look at Joe Biden's whole career. I mean, Joe Biden is terrible. Joe Biden. No courage in his about, campaign. There's, there's literally no courage. There's, there's no nothing, heart. Nothing. 
But there isn't nothing even to have courage for. I mean, Joe Biden is a right wing Democrat. He's the bag man for the bank, for the credit card industry. If your family can't write off a medical debt crisis. Thank Joe Biden and his work in the Senate. He voted for the invasion of Iraq and he's lying about it. And also crucially, and, and this is something that people just need to be real about, regardless of what you think about President Obama personally, no, we were not in some garden of Eden. No. The structural problems of this country and the world were in many cases accelerated under Obama, whether it's the wealth concentration of Wall Street and definitely the climate crisis. I mean, even the Paris Agreement that everybody writes home about, if you talk to any climate scientist about this just on a raw science level, they'll say, no, those cuts are not sufficient to not have a major radical impact on human civilization. And by the way, an impact that's already happening if you look at places like you know, the Caribbean or South Asia or parts of Africa, the classic pattern of, you know, basically colonial systems, you know, and so of, of you know, the pollution, the instability generated by the industrialized world on underdeveloped nations and also inside. Right. I mean, this affects extremely the peripheries inside the United States or Europe, as an example, or even just on another level. If there's a heat wave and someone can't afford air conditioning, that's who dies. And that's been happening in Europe in summer. So Joe Biden is it's it's trying it's like it's the go back to sleep option and the thing is is that we don't have time to be asleep anymore and his candidacy is fundamentally an insult to all of us but look elizabeth warren i totally agree with you in a sane world bernie represents the center left elizabeth warren represents the center right and these are really big differences like look she's putting good things on the table when it comes to her military and foreign policy uh views uh they're not good actually they're actually really negative uh, on single payer health care for every single human being uh she's been ambiguous and unclear which is a big problem but you know, with regards to the environment, from what I have seen is that, number one, the data says that Bernie's plan, which is the most ambitious on cutting emissions, is the bare minimum that's necessary to address the scale of the crisis. And number two, she's making these economic nationalist arguments around we're going to be a leader in green energy and so on. And that's fine. Of course, I want America to have a green energy industry. But I also recognize that this is literally a global problem. And so Bernie has a multi-billion dollar uh, plan inside the Green New Deal to fund an energy transition in developing countries. He's proposing a partnership with China to rapidly deploy renewable energies. He also has taken uh, from the environmental justice movement in the United States and implemented uh, uh, rules and, and ideas on addressing environmental racism in the Green New Deal that he's proposed. And he's also even embraced the UN 1992 uh, UN UN protocol on indigenous people's rights and sovereignty, which, again, is not only the right thing to do, that's a huge thing. When you violate indigenous people's rights and sovereignty, as you see in Brazil from Western corporations and the Bolsonaro government, that's not only an ethnic cleansing and ecocide of indigenous people that happens across the world, that has huge effects on everybody because you're burning out, you're bioprospecting the lungs of the earth to get minerals, to get medicine, whatever. So to me, it's like, 
you know, you just keep coming back. And this is yet another example where it's like, it's not just that Bernie's the best he is. It's that he represents something totally different and the necessary transformation we need to have. And I hope people get that. And, you know, so he is in a different class and a different league than Warren and people should make no mistake about that. But ultimately like, that's the only argument we need to be having and all this other bullshit represented by Biden or Harris or Buttigieg oh, or whatever. Get the fuck out of man. And, and the thing is, and, you know, just to, you know, not to belabor the Bernie point, of course, Anderson Cooper, but he's doing his job. And, and you know, Mike, and this is a thing that you and I, I think disagree a little bit on is that I think we underrate. I think we, as far as the left, we underrate how much, and I've said this on the show before, people who vote in the Democratic primary care about the question of who's going to pay? How much is it going to cost? Like, Because people have been brainwashed into thinking that there's this either or or push and pull sort of, well, we can't possibly find the money for all this stuff. Like, that's the that's the conventional wisdom out there, yeah. even amongst people on the left. And I love that Bernie's not afraid to answer the question quite clearly. Like, bro, we're getting rid of subsidies for these companies, right? We're going to slash the military budget. Which that's it. That's Jeff it. Jeff is going to pay a lot more taxes. I love that's when he it. said that. He's like, yeah. That's because it. Because that motherfucker it. shouldn't have that money to begin with. That's it. That's it. And it's, and it's about not being afraid to attack these, these issues head on, right? Um. I, you know the thing about the military budget that I'll say, and we could and we could leave this um, Green New Deal, uh, this climate crisis panel after this. But the thing that you know will never come up in the mainstream media um, is the utter amount of waste that happens in the military. Right. Like yeah. you can talk to people about it, it. Talk to people. And I have talked to people who have been in the military. They'll be like, look, man, there's this like, you know, let's just say there's this one piece of equipment that I might need to do my job. There'll probably be like 19 of them for every one of us who needs one that's available. And, you know, and he'll tell you the reason why is because you ask for the certain amount because you never want less. Right. That's just that's just what that's just the mentality in the military. Like we can ask for as much as we want. We don't ask as much for as much as we need. We ask for as much as we want so that we always have excess in every um, facet. And that and by the way, that's not even to talk about some of the ridiculous projects we funded, all kinds of fake ass futuristic planes that never fucking work. And like nobody will ever talk about the absolute waste that goes into the military because I don't know, you might be seen as offending the troops and allegedly the troops are a deity in this country, even though you know, nobody actually cares how they get treated um, on the back right. end. But, you know, right. that's a that's a, that's a question for another day. I just think I want Bernie to address the actual waste. Right. Um, when people talk about, oh, reckless spending and reckless this, we know what they're talking about. Minorities getting welfare while also buying Jordans. That's that's the type of right. shit that's been ingrained in people when they hear reckless, quote unquote, spending. We know what image that's supposed to conjure. But Bernie's like straight up like we're going to slash the military budget because 
They don't need that fucking much. They really? just don't. They just don't. It's just going to fat cats. It's lining the pockets of people like Dick Cheney and his homies at Halliburton. Like it's a part of a whole industry that's based off getting fat off of taxpayer dollars, bro. Private industries, military industry related industries getting fat off of us. And meanwhile, we got shit roads. People can't get health care. Like, wh- what are we talking about? So I love that Bernie is willing to tackle that subject because people never want to come at the military. And, you know, there's a way that I can understand why you don't, because when you do take power, those people can make your life miserable if they want, you know, um, they can. And that's always a threat. Yes, and that's yeah, why you yeah. always see people bowing down to them. But I'm so proud of Bernie for just coming out and saying that. No, I agree 100 percent. Not to mention the whole decaying U.S. empire, global death toll oh. as well. But let's um, we'll get to that uh, soon. But let's get to the gist unfolding like yo the jay-z nfl partnership is kind of like the brexit of partnerships um (laughs) it's just it's not good it's not going well uh i mean actually you know for us we're not going well for people like us to be honest with you maybe and actually um uh, the great Artesia Balthrop, who was on uh, TMBS the other night with me and is a mutual good friend of both of ours, you know, she made the point that, yeah, she's a genius, um, amazing person. She made the point, and she could be right, that, you know, basically, like, the the job of this, though, is really just plausible deniability, right? Like, it's it's for the demographic of people, black and white, who were turned off enough by the NFL blackballing Colin Kaepernick because of his activism against um, the police murder of people of color, but desirous enough to really be back reengaged in the league that Jay-Z is there as like the permission giver, like the kind of yep. imp, the imp, and I think that she's actually right about that. However, I a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's very astute. And at the same time, this is, I mean, he's given us, first of all, the clip that everybody has seen where he remixed the Moynihan report. For those of you who don't know what that reference is, Daniel Moynihan, infamous report written, I believe, in the late 60s or early 70s that essentially blamed the crisis in black America. And this is, you know, the crisis in black America within a single digit amount of time since literally American apartheid being legally ended in the United States, right? That the problem inside the black community is, you know, the collapse of the family and all of the, I mean, this is sort of like the academic and policy origin of like what- it from the 1960s. This yeah, from the 1960s. And that's the intellectual and policy origin of every single reactionary anti-black political argument you've ever heard from Republicans and Democrats. Bill Clinton used a lot of that kind of rhetoric. But so, but in addition to that infamous comment that made the rounds was, what else are we learning now about some other moves in conjunction with Jay-Z's NFL deal? All right. So of course it's come out like one of the, one of the, so we get the news, I think it was earlier this week or late last week that the NFL is going to be giving $400,000 to some social group program type of do-gooders in Chicago, which again, NFL billion dollar 
corporation slash monopoly, billions of dollars. They have billions of dollars in TV deals with freaking ESPN, CBS, um, and Fox. Like they, they just did. This is the richest league sports league in America. The idea that, you know, that they're good. They're making headlines for giving $400,000 to Chicago, whatever. Um, that, that got on my nerves, but whatever. Okay. You guys said you're going to attack stuff. All right. You're spraying money around. Cool. Um, I completely forgot about it. Then today it comes out, it's revealed that one of the the groups that are getting this money is a group called the Crushers Club, which in the past has been linked to telling dudes, like having social media posts where their director and president is cutting the dreads of a black man. And like, he's decided to turn a new leaf. He wants to change his life. Like, you know, they've been known to have very pro-cop messaging and what they do and Whatever. So it comes out as like Jay-Z, again, from the start, Mike, it just felt like this was a money grab. This was, um, it felt like a money grab. But even, you know what, you know what the thing is too, Mike, that I'm wrestling with? And I'm sorry if I sound like like all garbled and whatever, because I just have so many thoughts at once about this. Um, Part of me is like, this isn't probably Jay-Z being money grubbing and malicious as he is just ignorant. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like just from his perch in society, in the world right now, he might actually think like, yo, if we throw some money at this, like we can make some difference. Right. Like that's just it. Like the idea that Jay-Z is actually sitting down and getting a huge uh, dossier on whatever the fucking crushes club is so that he knows whether or not to put his name behind an initiative. I don't, I just don't see it happening at the same time. Um, all the people who came out and wanted to defend Hove and like, Oh, let's all let it see it play out. It's like, come on, you know, like the proof, like, like this is why people were screaming. It's like the idea that you're going to partner with the NFL to get this done. It just makes no sense. The NFL has no track record, no credibility in anything remote, like remotely close to morality. Like they've tried to be morality police, man. You know, um, the Ray Rice stuff comes out where he knocks his woman out in the elevator and then TMZ gets the video and then he gets suspended. You know, all the stuff that they did with concussions and, and, and CTE and all the information that they had for years and let guys go out and pulverize themselves. Like the NFL is probably the most immoral sports league we have maybe on the planet. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like that. I, I like that point um, that you're making. Cause I, I think to me, this goes to like, a deeper critique of Jay-Z and the capitalist symbolism that he represents. And then also the fact that, yeah, there's a way too much burden put on him as an individual, frankly, and that there's actually, he's just like the the idea that Jay-Z I'm like, we want, we want him because he's so important and he's so smart in some other facets of his life. And he's so, you know, like he means so much to the community. We want him to be that guy that's going to take the reins and, you know, put money behind some shit that actually changes a lot. But it's like, man, you asking a lot of this dude. Well, I think the thing is, though, is like, I think on one hand, the lesson is you shouldn't be asking that of anybody. And the fact that and and again, I'm, I will use a Jay-Z quote against him. He said, you know, in the Occupy Wall Street era, 
when he and he came in in a really shisty way on that one, like trying to profit off of oh, it with nasty. a T-shirt. That was nasty. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was. And, and I think, though, that he he literally I'm paraphrasing, but he literally said it's an act of liberation to see me on stage. In other words, and, and, and ultimately, like that is, you know. And this is where I, I always make the double point, like inside capitalism you know, uh, you better have a diverse boardroom. You better have representation across the board, a hundred percent. And at the same time, a hundred percent, that is not going to solve systemic inequality, racism, poverty, and the X and capitalism. Fundamentally, I mean, it's a system that produces those in- those outcomes. It's a feature, not a bug. So. To me, it's like you're running up against the limits of that whole role to begin with. And also, I think, again, also the reality, like I'm glad you like, yes, there's things Jay-Z will experience because he is a black man in a racist society, no matter how successful he is. And at the same time, he's unbelievably successful and has an insanely privileged life. And people need to be real about that. And he wouldn't be in that room if he was not, um, frankly, already uh, reconciled to the prevailing order, he's a promoter of the prevailing order, oh. and that's and that's like the thing too, and you know, and 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 that's the thing too that to me it's like, yeah. So then, don't make so much about him, frankly. Like everybody makes it about these morality uh, tales, and and look, I think there's a lot that. People should be thinking about whether it's Jay-Z or whoever else. Jay-Z did build RockAware off of the most disgusting, heinous sweatshop labor in Ecuador and excuse me, in Honduras, just like every other brand has vicious, disgusting sweatshop uh, conditions. That's capitalism. That's how markets work. That's how you push the margins. And Jay-Z didn't you know, do the quote unquote right thing. He did the business thing. Um and, you know, that's just the reality. And I think that and, and then, you know, and 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 also there's the report recently and I'm, I'm taking a lot of this off. I want to give a shout out to the Grub Stickers podcast where they go and they look at basically all the foul shit that people have to do to make their billions, whether it's Elon Musk or Steve Jobs or Jay-Z. But also Jay-Z recently has been slammed for investing in a company that tracks parolees with GPS software. And frankly, I also will just say, and I'm not, and it's funny because I'm about to reverse course in a minute, but I will say like even within, within the more narrow parameters of just like black capitalist solidarity, Jay-Z wasn't even that either, frankly, because of what he did to Dame Dash, right? Like if we're putting all of this out there, there's already a lot of even question marks around even that narrative, let alone dealing with bigger societal problems, which you cannot do as a capitalist because definitionally you're creating them. But then that kind of leads me to my opposite point, which is like, yeah, what the hell do you want from like a hundred – a times millionaire in his late forties. This is somebody like in order for him to be a perceptive radical thinker about society, he would need to be uh, readjusting his life experience every single day from the position he's in in life right now. And he's not (laughs) because that's not what he's about. So none of this really should be surprising anybody. And the, and the lesson shouldn't be fuck Jay Z. The lesson should be, 
we should stop seeking change in NFL brand endorsement deals. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, but the thing is, the reason why, but the, here's the thing though. If Rock Nation would have been contracted to do Super Bowl halftime entertainment and Hove didn't do a press conference, he didn't defend the move, he didn't say he was, you know, moving past kneeling and actionable change and all the shit that they tried to shovel at us oh, yeah, when past the deal was the invited. Deal. I don't think this all of this would have been would have came to pass. In fact, no, if I they would have just did it quietly, they just would have gave Jay-Z the money. Like, all right, Jay-Z. You now make it, you now go out there and be like, look, man, I'm going to empower black acts, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm actually doing my own thing with the players or blah, blah, blah. Like the fact that Jay-Z tried to come out and say, I'm part, I'm going to partner with the NFL and I'm going to do it right because the NFL is clearly invested in this because they've come and talked to me. It's like, if they didn't do that, you wouldn't see all of this, but it's like that whole dog and pony show. It's like Jay-Z came out and decided for a check. He would be the one to put a nice face on the NFL's quote unquote social reform. Like I'm the face of nice. I, I'm going to make this nice. Um, and, it, you know, it's an example that I use all the time. Right. When, you know, when the Wall Street guys invest in diversity initiatives and they do all these other things because they're smart enough to know that, you know, the great PR that comes with that, whether it's affecting change or not, it doesn't matter. You know, whether it costs a decent amount, it doesn't matter. In the long run, it allows them to rape and pillage in ways uh, you know, that they otherwise might not if they were just seen as this avaricious, you know, just group of money grubbing, greedy bastards. Um, they, they're they smart enough to intuit that. Uh, the NFL, I see them as the same way. It's like, yo, man, we got to get a brother on this. And, and all the shit that people shouted to the mountaintops, again, because Jay-Z and the NFL said this is about real change now. They set themselves up for this level of scrutiny. And it's like, you know, the Crushers Club, man, you know, all the stuff, they, <laughs> just the stuff about like the mission statement being about God and country and loving the cops while also loving the youth. And man, and again, I, I, you know, I, I also don't want to do the thing that we do on the left, especially. I, gotta say, and I just one other thing, though, like. <laughs> I mean, there's another thing just in dead spin. Why is the NFL giving money to a group that believes Trump needs to save Chicago from gang violence? Mm. One of the first major moves the NFL and Rock Nation's Inspire Change program will make is a $400,000 donation, blah, blah, blah. Um, and the recipient of the money will be the Better Boys Foundation and Family Services and the Crushers Club. And then it goes on to say, basically, the Crushers Club account, meanwhile, has tweeted out things like all lives matter and we need Trump to help us. <laughs> I mean, boy. Yeah, man. Boy. I mean, yeah. If, and that's again, where like just on a brand. What I find interesting is that that's where it starts to get like it's so out of touch that you didn't even have somebody around Jay-Z and now I'm just being pure mercenary because I was giving you like the, this is all bullshit. We need actual structural change, which right. is what I believe. But I also believe that an astute brand person who recognized like, you know, look, Jay-Z is in the Obama orbit and you're trying to buy a certain kind of, you know, uh, a, a, a quote unquote woke branding. If somebody was aware of that, they would never let a check grow to that kind of group. 
And in some ways, you know, what's, what's fucked up is that I don't even like in a way I actually even feel bad because it's like I don't even know what these nonprofits do. And maybe they're doing some people some good. And we just see like the reactionary trash that they put out on social media. But on a real basic brands protection level, there was no one around Jay-Z that's like, dude, like. You know, here are the groups that are like you could give to the Boys and Girls Club in Chicago. You give maybe the YMCA. Like here's an initiative that's that's, you know, comes out of some university that's been vetted. Like they're not even thinking about this, even on a brand level. Uh, This is just a blatant, complete and utter miscalculation on on Jay-Z's part. And again, the way this they tried to paint this is this is Jay-Z. Well, no, no, no. This is what the people wanted to defend the the whole thing from the start. It's like, let it play out, guys. Jay, well, how do we know Jay-Z and the NFL aren't gonna do stuff? This, this idea, and again, the, the, what those people were asking us to do is say, okay, listen to that stupid press conference. Watch how it all played out and think to ourselves, yeah, this is Jay-Z and the NFL rolling their sleeves up, getting their hands in the dirt and affecting change in communities of color. That's what we were supposed to take out of that. Like nobody did. And then when you see this, man, and again, it's just so obvious that it's like, oh, don't try to tell me this was your you being calculated, you know, precision, precision mind. Jay-Z about social justice change. Don't tell me this is you caring about it because it's not. Because if you did, you wouldn't be partnering with the fucking NFL. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just, I don't even know how to, like, I don't, like, the NFL, the league with the violence against women problem, you know, right. like, the, the, the NFL, this, this is where we're going with it? It, it just, you know, it, it just boggles the mind. And this is just, the hits just keep on coming. And, man, I wouldn't be surprised if, if this whole deal just goes, fuck it. Let's, let's wash our hands and keep it pushing. Yeah, it could definitely go south. Because <laughs> this is just getting worse and worse, man. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a bad look. And especially, I mean, I think for the NFL, because of the point that Artesia made, you know, it's sort of like all potential upside basically for them. But oh, of I, course. And, but I think for Jay-Z, and again, I'm talking as a brand manager now, I would be like, whoa, we need to watch this and get him back up on a stage at Cornell West or something because this is not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um. I, it, listen, you know. man, I, I, pff, man, I – I would love to be on a fly on a wall in a room of with Cornell West actually talking to Jay Z about this stuff. Um, yeah, me too. Lord have mercy, because God knows he needs it. It's only way to transition from this, man, from one retired rapper to the our newest retired rapper. Uh, Nicki Minaj has decided to retire and have a family. Um, yeah, she, she's quitting rap, Mike, mm. because she wants to start a family with her new man um, who happens to be a convicted felon. He's beat up women. He's been ch- um, charged with assaulting women in the past. Uh, he seems like a great guy. I don't know him. I've never met him. I can't That's really say. 
either way. But Nikki, you know, she's she's had a great string in the last 18 months of fantastic PR <laughs> where she killed. I think it was Travis Scott for having a better album and higher selling one than her. She's been, <laughs> I mean, she's been complaining about Cardi B's success basically from the word go. Oh, incessantly. Oh. Uh, she's been putting out mediocre music essentially from day one and then she tried to put out music with integrity recently and then everybody was like get up we miss me it's too little too late um she's retiring mike are you gonna shed any thug tears for her because <laughs> i know i'm not yeah man i guess especially relative to you i'm definitely not as much of a Nicki minaj hater although i will oh, say like I'm not a her. fan What'd you say? I can't stand her. I know. I like, really? I never have. I never got it. I never got it. I, I Like, from day one, I was like, she's cool. Like, she's attractive. Yes, but, like, do we think she's good? Like, no, not even do we think she's good, because I've always thought that she possessed ability, talent. I just thought she was a very... um cynical artist i thought she was a very you know somebody who never took any chances who basically was like what's working right now i'm gonna ape that her whole yeah, career that's a hundred never did anything original I, I think that that is i think you hit it's very interesting to me because you know one of the reasons that i'm such a defender of cardi and it's funny because like i do i like cardi's music in fact when before the you know youtube did all their bullshit and we got these great interstitials from the great DJ Danarchy. We would play, you know, interstitials on my show from, you know, well, I mean, a lot of different music, but, but definitely Cardi was like a main, probably like Cardi and Dipset and Dr. Dre were like the mainstays of interstitial music. So I do like her music, but I just think even, but, but, I, you know, I like it. It's not something I listen to all the time either, for that matter. And of course, I like that she's with Bernie and she likes FDR and all of that. But I think what's what is actually kind of sad to me, to be honest, is Nikki's level of what seems to me like just pure insecurity. And then in relation to reacting to artists whose whole thing, and actually I think this goes for Travis Scott too. I actually scoped a little bit. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched like a, a couple minutes of um, that Netflix documentary about Travis Scott that Rob was telling us about. And you're just talking about artists that have a very, like they're just, they are authentic. It's a really overused word. And it doesn't mean like, of course they're managed and handled and, and there's strategies and there's plans and blah, 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 blah. But I mean, you cannot watch anything a Cardi B does and not think like, well, you know, that that's definitely her distinct personality. Like that's coming across. And I think in Nicki Minaj's case, she does. I mean, my read is that she does have a distinct personality and she does have a character and it is actually as like a theater kid. She's a fucking theater kid. And that's cool. I mean, it's kind of annoying, but that's cool. But she she has a huge amount of artistic and commercial insecurity, I think. And that drives everything. And it's made her have an ass of herself. And frankly, I think she's talented, whatever. But she's also not putting out work that is good enough 
to justify all that drama, right? Like Kanye is kind of the quintessential and, you know, he's fallen off a lot recently, but whatever we think he's already Nicki Minaj ain't never been no Kanye. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. Kanye is even just as a producer, because I'm not a huge fan of him as a rapper, but as a producer, as a personality is, I mean, he's in the pop culture pantheon. So any conversation with him, I mean, even, even fucking Azalea Banks, who right. is primarily known for her bullshit, but one, she can actually be very insightful and very funny. So she she's always got some like there's some edge or some pop to it. And two, she put out some really interesting music. To me, all I've heard about for Nikki in the past several years is wait, why the fuck is she performing in Angola for that, you know, for some corrupt politician or that she's complaining about somebody else's success and then the music comes out and it's like, okay, sure, I guess, but it just doesn't justify that. Yeah, no. Um, and, you know, there's been rumors out there, conjecture that she's got a drug problem, mm-hmm. which... You know, the erratic behavior, uh, you know, mixed with the with the idea, you know, a celebrity allows people to have no checks and balances in their lives. So nobody around them, because you are their meal ticket, is going to tell you, yo, Nick, you you shouldn't have said that or did that. You you kind of look stupid here. Like, you, you don't have people around you who are going to go against you and check you at any point. So things can kind of go awry. A lot of times and you mix, you know, substance abuse with that. Again, this is all alleged. I don't know. I've never done drugs with Nicki Minaj. I can't say that she's done them for sure. But a lot of people have assessed her behavior and like, look, man, she's she behaves in very strange ways in public a lot. I mean, you can't just chalk a lot of that up to, oh, she's just a diva. Um, That being said, man, she's insufferable. As a public figure, <laughs> like <laughs> there's just no, there's no two ways about it. Like the, the idea that I will never have to consume Nicki Minaj content again, <sighs> that makes me happy. Yeah, you don't hated. believe this. I mean, speaking of no, retired, she's not retired for real. Jay-Z it's, it's said he was retiring every three years. It's not she's not retired it? for real. Um, she's not retired for real. But it's yeah, just you know the just the. Just the idea that, like, you know, I don't know anything about her boyfriend, but this dude's past would indicate that this might not be something you want to jump on social and 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 scream out to the moons about. But you know, <laughs> again, you know, lack of self awareness, you know, uh, uh, a litany of yes men around you. Then these are the type of things you're gonna get. Um, I know we're not a gossip show, but I just wanted to touch that bit of news because I was tickled by it when it trickled across my <laughs> I timeline. Was tickled by it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's get to the crates. Uh, this is where we give you recommendations. We tell you what to read, watch, listen to, consume, whatever. Waz, what do you have for the people this week, man? Uh, Netflix's Glow. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a series starring Allison Brie, Mark Marin. Um, as well as B- Betty Gilpin and, a, Gilpin and a, you know, a litany of other diverse women. A lot of women I've never seen before. A lot of women from diverse backgrounds. Um, I just think it's an incredibly funny show. Um, at times heartbreaking, but I think it does have a lot of heart, too. Uh, and, and that's what I just love about watching the show. And I think these women that are on the show are like, you're not going to get characters like this on TV in a lot of places, right? Like it's a, it's a woman centric show. 
uh, which again, like it's just not something you come across very often. And I just think it's super smart, super funny. Uh, I don't think you have to be into wrestling, which I was when I was a kid, but I don't even think the wrestling angle is the most important angle. Um, I think there's, you know, these intermediate families that you create through, through your job and through communities that you're a part of, you know, all this stuff about just womanhood in general is just, you know, I just think it's incredible and it's sharp. And I think Betty Gilpin, I mean, I've been, I've been a fan of Alison Brie forever from Mad Men, from, you know, all the other stuff she's done Mm -hmm. in the past. I've Mm -hmm. been a big fan of her. I'd never heard of Betty Gilpin before this. I've never seen her in anything, but she's incredible in this. And she's like, you know, she's playing this incredibly like mean, rugged, woman you know um who's who's having a like she's having a tough go of it in life but like she does like this character is not very likable um and i just think she's given a crazy brave performance and it's a, she's been a revelation for me and i hope she continues to get a lot of work after this because i heard netflix is trying to hardball these chicks and um not pay them for, for next season mm-hmm. i think this might this might be the third and final season if so it's been an incredible ride i'm about six episodes into the third season which just recently came out i think everybody should check that out well watch it and push it so people can uh can stay on um maybe maybe get it going again um i i just want to say i actually just started watching uh, the second season of Succession because you pushed it. And I will say, I think the second season is much stronger than the first. And I got mm-hmm. kind of wrapped up into that show over mm-hmm. my break, too. But <laughs> I, I want to recommend it. This, <laughs> I'm a Danny McBride fan, right? I think Eastbound and Down is a funny show. Yeah. I think he's a brilliant writer. I, th- I think the whole that type of like male persona that he makes fun of. That's kind of like some characters Will Farrell plays, but pushed way more to an extreme. And this whole Southern shit that I don't really understand is hilarious. And I think the righteous gemstones, man, it's only three episodes in, but it's fucking hilarious. That's the new <laughs> show he's got on HBO. Uh, I think obviously to me, you know, John Goodman is a legend, uh, just incredible to watch on screen and just taking that comedic sensibility and putting it on some like ultra decadent, you know, maybe billionaire, definitely multi hundreds of probably billionaire, like mega church Christian empire in the South is hilarious. Like it's and it's weird. It's bizarre. I will say, though, I I kind of, you know, because it it, is vulgar and everything. But my mom actually really likes the show. So it's like, okay, it's like smart enough and just straight up funny enough that, you know, my mom could overlook how, you know, some of the kind of griminess of it. But that righteous gemstones, man, I, I also just think like. At least for me, like it's 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 sharp enough that it will keep your attention. But also, you know, these are some times where just like you need to sometimes you need to like listen to coffee or something and elevate yourself and feel better. Other times you just need to watch something that's just really fucking funny to genuinely gut laugh uh, at all of the ugliness and craziness of these times. And uh, the Righteous Gemstones is definitely doing that for me. So I would I would check it out if you can. Um one hundred percent, absolutely, and I think uh, the the thing I like about the show is that I feel like Danny McBride, you can tell he has a grasp of the subject matter. 
Oh, like yeah. he's not just parachuting in and trying to make fun of church going, you know, conservative people. Like let's let's face the facts here, right? Like this is a bunch of quote unquote Hollywood liberals, you know, portraying conservative church going God fearing people, and there's a way that that could turn into insensitive parody. I think Danny McBride is he's got a grasp of the subject matter, and you know, the audience is served by it. Oh, definitely. No, it's uh, it's 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 really funny show. And I and I totally agree with you. I, I don't think I actually think, no, they're these characters are actually being really fleshed out and some of them are really unlikable, but they're also unlikable, though, even like in unexpected ways. And I think, though, that the show is definitely going a different place that's much more uh, interesting than simply, you know, mocking that whole scene. And then on the other hand, it's, you know, it's fucking funny and there's a lot to joke about. So they're doing that too. Uh, so I definitely recommend that everybody go join the athletic to get all of the extended count the dings universe and get the highest standard in sports journalism. Come on people. I mean, we know in general, uh, the best way for all of us as creators is to is to build a community and get supported that way because we're definitely free and independent that way, whether it's from, you know, the leagues that we cover or the politicians or businesses that we cover. Uh, subscribe to this show. Leave bomb a rating on iTunes. Spread the word. We really want to grow this show out. See the more extended and maybe even bigger things that Waz and I could do as an example. Uh, I definitely invite everybody to come immediately become a patron of The Michael Brooks Show at patreon.com slash TMBS where you get at least two-thirds extra content, including a post-game show, history shows, uh, illicit histories, Huge amount of content. Definitely want to join. And also just go click subscribe on our YouTube channel. We just cracked 73,000 subscribers on YouTube. So I want to get to that 100K on YouTube soon as well as that first 3,000 patrons. That's amazing, bro. I remember when y'all first started the page. That's awesome. Yes, sir. Well, I'm honored by the help. And obviously, Waz is a core part of that mission, too. Thank you to Rob Lopez. Thank you to Jade Hoy. Thank you to each and every one of you. We'll see you next week. All right, y'all. All right, great. Later, y'all. That was fantastic.